Episode 73, Twyla Verhelst, leader of the accounting professionals program at FreshBooks. My favorite mistake, honestly, is one of overwork. (laughs) I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, and more for this episode, you can go to markraven.com slash mistake73. Please follow, rate, and review. If you like the episode, share it on social media. Share it on LinkedIn or Facebook. That'll really help get the word out about the show and our great guests. Thanks for listening. Well, hi. Welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. Our guest today is Twyla Verhelst. Uh, She lives and breathes accounting. Um, She's a CPA, tech entrepreneur, and she's now the leader of the Accounting Professionals Program at the company FreshBooks. Um, She's working to empower accounting professionals with the tools they need to thrive, as well as helping them discover their most important tool, their authentic self. So we'll have a chance to explore a little bit of that today. Um, Joining us, I I believe uh, this is not a mistake on my part. You're joining us from Calgary. Is that right? That's right. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Well, um, thank you. Welcome. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, f- first question before we get into mistakes, is the name Twyla more popular now after the show Shit's Creek has been so popular? A good question. I It was funny because when I, I have obviously had my name for all my life and usually people <laughs> would say, where did that come from? And then once Shit's Creek became popular, I actually didn't catch on to Shit's Creek until people started to say, did you know, are you from, have, do you watch? And so then I started watching Shit's Creek and I was like, all right, I feel comfortable having the same name as a character from that show because that show is just brilliant. It was. And, and Twyla was uh, amongst the most level-headed of anybody in that town. That's, that's true. And uh, ended up being the richest as we uh, learned at the end. So, Right. But right. well, spoiler alert. Yeah. I think people have had a chance with it. <laughs> At this point. So, um, so Twilight, you know, diving into what we normally talk about here, um, looking back at the different things you've done in your career, what would you say is your favorite mistake? My favorite mistake, honestly, is one of overwork. <laughs> overwork that mm-hmm. led to burnout, that led to not taking care of myself and not taking care of my relationships. I mean, as you've kind of highlighted and introing me, I'm an extremely motivated person on top of my career. I'm a runner. I like having goals and having things to work towards. But that caught up with me about five years ago. And so at the breaking point of this mistake of overwork and burnout, I took a trip to Bali. So, of course, the superficial reason that I would call this my favorite mistake is because I got to go on a trip to Bali. But it was more than just a trip to Bali. It was a trip that I took by myself and a trip that I enrolled in a seven-day silent retreat. So I know that you're also an introvert. So as a fellow introvert, I'm sure you can imagine that no talking, no communication 
for seven days straight was actually really refreshing. And it actually refueled me and got me regrounded and really brought back my perspective of what's important. And even though I am still a motivated individual and I recognize that inside of that journey, I could be a motivated career woman, but still have that perspective of what's important and keep grounded with my relationships. And I can't achieve big things if I'm not healthy and my relationships aren't healthy. So this trip to Bali really teed up the next chapter of my personal development. And it really queued up my exploratory journey to being in this constant mode of learning and learning more, not just about technical skills. As you mentioned, I'm an accountant, but more about myself and who I am, what I'm really passionate about, what I have to offer the world and what skills I want to continue to develop and what I really want to do next to contribute and and have a big contribution. And so little did I know also that this was also prepping me for what was next. Meaning since that time, about five years ago, I've co-founded a fintech company, I'm contributing to the evolution of the global accounting industry I'm now supporting my mother who has been severely impacted with health challenges and I'm nurturing a daughter who's on the autism spectrum that's now become a teenager and has having to adapt to all the things that come with being a teenager, even though she's not cognitively ready to be a teenager. So this mistake of burnout was really, you know, the result of overwork that became a pivotal time for me to get back into the driver's seat and to really be intentional about what I want to spend my time and my energy doing both professionally and personally and to remember to keep space for my relationships and also for my industry and for the companies I work with and as a mother and most importantly space for myself. Mm -hmm. Wow so I think there's a lot maybe we can kind of go back and and unpack some of the um, the journey that you took to to that point. So it sounds like not doing that trip or not doing some getaway like that to reset would have been a mistake that really was a, a pivotal moment. And, and what, what led you to the point of saying, hey, I need to do this or something like this? Yeah, I mean, really, I would say the mistake was that I wish and, you know, if you talk about doing something over, it'd be like, I shouldn't have let myself get that far. I shouldn't have gone to that mm-hmm. point. But to be honest, what called it out and what prompted that trip was somebody else calling me out on it. And it took somebody else to say, hey, this isn't good anymore. And and that particular person was my husband who was like, hello, remember us over here? And at the same time, yeah. I knew that I wasn't giving giving myself the attention I wanted to give myself, my daughter the attention that she deserved, because of course, being on the autism spectrum, she tends to get a lot of my attention, but she still didn't get what she deserved at that time. And then my husband, who was, you know, being extremely patient, who finally said, wait a sec, like, what about us over here? How do you expect for us all to continue as a family unit 
when we're so detached because you're working so much and you're so deep into these goals and initiatives professionally that you didn't, uh, you know, you kind of neglected the other side of the equation. And so he called me out on it. And when he first called me out, I was in denial. I was like, what are you talking about? There's no problem here and everything's good. And, and then he called me out again and I was like, all right, uh, now that I've come off of my ego trip and my bit of a self-defense mechanisms that come into play when you get called out on something, then I was able to say, all right, I think that there is something here and I want to fix it. And it needs to start with me before it goes to us. And then before it extends to my daughter and my parents and, and, and all those relationships that really matter. Yeah. So how did you decide that like this trip and in particular a silent retreat or doing that in Bali, how did you decide that that would be a good reset or, you know, gave you an ink, what gave you an inkling that that would be a good thing to go to go and do? Well, it wasn't the first time that I've done some self-reflection. I know enough about myself. I knew that I was introverted. I know that being around other people isn't what refills me or re-energizes me, that time alone or time in quiet spaces is what re-energizes me. So it just, when I when we got to the point of recognizing, okay, I need some time. I need to take a break. This is burnout at its finest. This isn't healthy for any of us inside of this family unit. And especially for me, then it was kind of this experiment of what do I think would be what I need and just started doing some good old Google research and checking out what, what is it I want to do next and, and be able to get a real reset And I first just thought about doing a trip alone and taking some time and some space for myself and do journaling and do reflection, do the things that I needed to do, or just do plain nothing. Uh, And then started to uh, explore a silent retreat. And then there is some here in North America that I explored first and then found this one in Bali. And it just got me super excited. And, And to be honest, was as reasonable, if not more reasonable, investment-wise, as the ones here locally. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I've traveled to other places alone before, so it wasn't my ch- first adventure on a train or a plane by myself. But um, yeah. it, it just prompted me. I, I like warmth. Even though I live in Canada, I like the warmth of, of the sun, and I, I enjoy being mm-hmm. uh, heated by the sun and being outdoors, yeah, not skiing, but rather in the summer when it's when it's nice out. And so it all just kind of started to align. The dates and timing started to align and, and started to make sense. Now, I, I, it sounds like you were saying it was, you know, there was no speaking. Was this also a digital detox when you say no communicating? Mm-hmm. That mean no devices, right. no social media, nothing. No, nothing. It, tell, it, tell me more about how that Yeah, was. you were supposed to check everything. So uh, you did have access to your phone should an emergency come up, but they highly encouraged mm-hmm. you just to turn it off. And so I did. I turned it off completely. Once I had let my family know I've made it, I'm safe, I know all is well, I'll see you in seven days or you'll hear from me in seven days. And so I did turn it off entirely. Uh, we didn't talk to one another inside of the, the retreat. So there's other folks taking the retreat along with me. There was no speaking to them. There was no speaking to wait staff. So when you got your meal, there was no speaking to them. It was uh, very, uh, very quiet, very uh, serene, almost at times would catch you going like, what, what is happening? And you kind of get really 
aware of the thoughts in your head when there's no other distractions and no other voices. So putting the phone away was tough because I am very connected on social media and, and, you know, it's hard now with, you know, emails and that's time that we didn't have Slack, but, you know, you're just so connected. We had text messaging, obviously. And so uh, putting that away was quite refreshing in and of itself, let alone then not having any sort of music, not having any other conversing. The hardest part, to be honest, was when you had staff at the facility put your meal in front of you to not say thank you. That was the most difficult thing. Right. Or somebody, you know, you, you're walking and you meet somebody on the path to not, you almost then didn't make eye contact with them because it would naturally be, you'd start to get to know them because you'd see them, not because you could talk to them, but you would see them. So then you almost didn't make eye contact with them anymore because you're afraid that you would say something until a few days yeah. in when then the eye contact actually started to mean something and you would create eye contact and you'd smile at them and at least have that human interaction in that way. But certainly no voice, no voice talking yeah. or no hand gestures uh, of any sort. Yeah. So then with a week of that, what happened when you come back to the world, your family, back to the idea of work? Yeah, it, it was a different perspective. And to be honest, when, when I first came out of it, I spent two or three days still in Bali because I was like, this is going halfway around the globe and I might as well take advantage of a little bit of time, even though I knew I needed to get back to my work and my family. But I did take a couple of days. And to be honest, in those couple of days, everything was overstimulating. I had these big intentions of, I'm going to go walk the streets of Ubud and I'm going to see the tourist sites. And it was busy in that city center. And about two hours in of, of walking and exploring, I was like, I got to go back to the hotel room because this is just too much at once. So certainly there's a bit of a, you should really reintroduce yourself with something like that. But because I had that time in Bali afterward, and then, gosh, it was like a full day of travel to get back to Canada, that I had time to really do a lot of reflection and, and think about what does this look like now when I see my family again? What does it look like on Monday morning when I go back to work and I see all these emails that have accumulated since I've left and I've got my staff who needs me because I haven't been there for over a week? Uh, and so I had to kind of prep myself for what that was going to look like and feel like and how I was going to settle into that. But when I was so grounded, I felt really confident in knowing that, okay, this this needs to be a portion of my life, meaning my work, not all of my life. And with my family, I was just so excited to hug them and, and to reconnect with them and, and to share a lot about my experience because you spend this time really going through this journey and you don't share it with anybody and it's not even like if you're on a trip by yourself where you send your your family members messages or pictures look at what I just saw you don't do any of that and so there was lots to share but I had more uh, gratitude and and wanting to just embrace them for as a way of thanking them for giving for giving me that space and giving me that time to be able to mm -hmm. kind of disconnect and and reconnect with myself yeah so then once you had the opportunity to reflect on that trip and to think about your burnout and the causes and what led to that, were, were there any insights that came to you or other lessons about how to prevent falling, getting back into 
the same cycle. And I'm sure a trip to Bali again some years later would, again, be nice. But what, what did you do to try to prevent falling back into old patterns, old um, causes of burnout? You know, part of it was the journey of learning more about myself that has helped me prevent going there. Now, I'll tell you, it, it's easy to think about slipping back there. It's like, you know, if you're a ex-smoker and then all of a sudden you, some of the other habits kind of come around you and then you're like, this is the time when I would light up a cigarette. It, you can still have that inside of burnout because it's burnout that's not due to a bunch of life circumstances happening all at once. It won't necessarily align again. This is pure overwork. And I like my work. I really enjoy working. So it's easy to slip back there. So part of it has been recognizing more of myself and what I need or don't need in order to kind of keep that balance and to catch myself earlier in the stages of kind of slipping there versus getting all the way there and like, whoa, that slope is super slippery. And here I am again. I'll tell you, I would love to go back to Bali. It's on the bucket list to go back there. My daughter desperately wants to go. When I came back, she sure. saw the pictures and uh, that I had taken. And, and now she's been talking about going. And at that time, I told her 10 years. Now we're at five years. She's counting down. She's got a memory that's incredible. So I, I expect to go back there uh, someday. But you don't necessarily need to do that again, or I don't feel I need to do that again in order to reconnect. Mm -hmm. It's more of a, a prevention strategy. And then, mm -hmm. uh, oh, this is going too far, pull back. And the, the reality of pulling back is you can usually take a personal day or cut yourself off mm -hmm. of connections for a weekend or, or whatever that is that, that would just be enough to, all right, pull you back. And I even did this yeah. over the past weekend where I spent Sunday going through, okay, what are the things that I'm working on right now? And what deserves how much of my time? And literally doing it like a pie chart. I mean, you mentioned I'm an accountant. Mm -hmm. The numbers mean something to me. And so it, it was a time for me to, I, I kind of finished off some things I was doing for my parents. It was time to settle back into my, to my work, make sure that my husband and my, my daughter are getting what they need from me. It was a time to be like, okay, pause, Let's make sure I'm not totally out of alignment here and actually taking the time to do that and recognizing when you need to do that. And that's very individual, obviously. Um, but for me, it's the mm, something's feeling off here. Gut check. Let's just yeah. put this on paper and make sure that we're where we should be so that we don't go into old habits. Yeah. Catching it sooner rather than letting it get as far progressed as it had yeah. been before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Twyla, when you talk about, you know, learning more about yourself and as you talk to others and you talk about um, the power of being one's authentic self, can, can you share a little bit more about what that means um, in the context of um, how we are at work or more broadly, what does it mean to be your authentic self? Yeah, for me, there's a few layers in what that means. Um, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm an accountant. I've shared that I'm an introvert. And I recognize now that as an accountant and an introvert, that I had kind of created this representation of myself, that this is just the way that I am. So when it comes to things like speaking up in a meeting or 
having confidence to do something that seems really uncomfortable or to come onto a podcast. Like all of these things were things that I had really decided that that's not for me. I'm an introvert. I'll support other people doing that. I'm not the one who does that. And so I recognized that I was doing that within my professional career and that I noticed that I was really getting in my own way and holding myself back and put myself then into a challenge as to how am I going to comfortably get uncomfortable and break through some of that. And then the other layer to this is that I also recognize that as an accounting professional, our industry is evolving. And as an authentic professional, that isn't necessarily in our minds the same as an accounting professional. And so where this industry is going is that the technology is advancing, the relationships that accounting professionals are having with their clients is changing and evolving, and the relationship is really more so valued on the human element of that engagement as opposed to, did you file my tax return? And so that also is a spot where we can't be too professional and not be our authentic selves and be human the way that if you rewind to even 10 years ago, but I'll call it even uh, say go further 20 years ago, accountants were very good at being introverts and sticking behind the deliverables or the numbers and not really being very personable, almost described as the doctor with poor bedside manner, but you needed the doctor. So you went to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And so this has all changed inside of our industry. And now that I have spent some time on this personal development journey and really recognize this in myself and started to chip away at the lack of confidence and build up more of the confidence and kind of flex that muscle more, then I've been sharing that with other accountants who are similar, where they're saying, okay, I know I need to be more human. I know I need to have different relationships. I know I need to do this advisory work that everyone in this industry is talking about, support my small business clients differently. But I don't, I'm a really intelligent accountant, but I don't know how to do that. And my response is, be you. And then it comes back to, well, I don't even really know who I am or who I should be inside of this relationship. So I do a lot of mentorship and and coaching in that kind of realm of accounting. I do more of that than I do of traditional accounting. I don't actually do much traditional accounting at all anymore. I work really closely with other accounting accountants and, and accounting professionals, such as bookkeepers and tax tax agents. And entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I grew up in an entrepreneurial home. I really actually became an accountant as my plan B. I knew I wanted to be some sort of entrepreneur, but felt like, oh, I better have a plan B. And that felt better for for my parents too, is here's your money to go to university. So do something with this. And if you want to be a business owner out the other side, do that. But they showed me and knew it's really hard to be a, a self-employed entrepreneur. And so they wanted me to become educated and I was all for it. I was, I was uh, enough of a geeky uh, student that I was like, okay, let's do this. And I become an accountant only to know accounting and finances inside of whatever's next. I despise tax, to be honest. I enjoy operational accounting and looking at, what do these numbers mean and how does this help us make decisions inside of the business, which is far more entrepreneurial focused than mm-hmm. traditional accounting focused? Yeah. Um, 
is managerial accounting the right yeah. phrase then as sort of yeah. subset of accounting? I'm trying to think back to my forever ago accounting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good memory. Uh, it, it is. When you think about managerial accounting, that's more you think about in a, in a corporate environment uh, where you're part of the accounting team and you're providing internal reports to the stakeholders inside of your company. That's typically managerial accounting, which if you take that and just take that corporation and put it down to a small business, it's the same in that your stakeholder is your business owner and what are the reports and what type of information do they need in order to make decisions? So same, just kind of scaled down to a small business. Sure. Um, one other question I want to ask about um, your thoughts on authenticity or how you help coach or mentor others. Like, Where do we find the balance between being authentic? Let's say to one extreme, somebody who's just very quiet, they don't like speaking up. But requirements of their job in one way or another are forcing them to try to get out of their comfort zone. How, how does somebody help navigate that and find the balance and, and not just falling back on like, well, I, I am the way I am versus having to challenge yourself um, to do something new or do something in a new way? Or is there, I guess maybe is that choice, can you get out of your comfort zone or do you have to quit or leave or go and do something else? Yeah. How do, how do you help someone navigate that kind of scenario? Yeah, that's a great question because to think about becoming somebody that feels like someone that you're not is extremely overwhelming. And it would be easier to be honest, to quit and go somewhere where you think I don't have to be like that if I go somewhere else, or I can start over and just keep doing this job inside of an environment or in, in inside of a company where, okay, I'm going to do this now for a bit. And once I get to this point, then I'll keep just pivoting. And, and so that could be a pattern that somebody's doing when they feel like this, I don't want to be that person, but there's a way to be more, whether it's outgoing, more confident with your voice, or uh, a bit more of that extroverted without becoming an extrovert, without actually changing completely. And so part of that can be um, just taking baby steps, because I think it's the complete change that makes that feel so uncomfortable. You don't have to pivot 110 you know, degrees or 180 degrees in order to be somebody else. You just have to make baby steps towards it. So that was a big part of it for me is how do I ever take a stage? How do I ever be on a podcast? How do I ever host a room in Clubhouse? How do I ever do that? And a way to do that for me was to break it down into baby, baby small steps. And the analogy I like to use is running a marathon. So if you think about running a marathon and you decide, Mark, today I've decided that next Sunday I'm going to run a marathon. And if you're not a runner, uh, <laughs> right. right. That's a bad idea. Sounds like a mistake. <laughs> yeah. There's your favorite mistake. Maybe uh, <laughs> a painful um, mistake. Maybe. Yes. So uh, if, if you, you know, whether you're a runner or not, you know that you don't go from couch to running a marathon mm -hmm. in a very short period of time. And you certainly don't do it overnight. So you don't go from introverted, shy, keeping to yourself person to overly confident, loud, big voice, really 
taking the stage and grabbing the mic and running the meetings. And you don't go to that overnight. When you're running a marathon, you know, all right, if I want to get to a marathon, first thing, I need to put that goal out of ways, I, a reasonable ways. I need to start to, let's start walk run. Let's get some better shoes. Maybe I find an right. accountability partner that I start running with. Maybe I... Uh, run a five kilometer race first and then I go to a 10k maybe like there's all these things that you do in order to make progression towards running a marathon so the same goes with building the muscle or or changing who you are or what your skill set is when you've formerly been a shy introverted accountant or a shy mm -hmm. introverted professional or somebody who's just not not confident in their own ability to communicate you br break that down in a way that what's I what I call it is comfortably uncomfortable. So you get a bit uncomfortable, not to the point where you're sweating and you never want to do it again and you have all your nerves are shot, but just a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I've mm -hmm. mentored a number of people through that process only because I went through that process myself. I always think the best vendors are the ones who they've done it before and now they're trying to share it with somebody else. Yeah. Well, and if, if you had concerns or you were nervous about being a guest on a podcast, Twyla, I think you've done quite well. So I think you, uh, hopefully feel like it was not a mistake uh, to come and share with us today. <laughs> no, this won't be a, you can have me back on and I say my biggest or my favorite mistake is joining the my favorite mistake podcast. That won't be the case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're good. We're good. Um, so Twyla, one other thing I wanted to ask you of the different things you do um, one of them is the accounting professionals program at FreshBooks. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So FreshBooks itself is an accounting platform that was, has been around since 2003, started as an invoicing platform, revamped itself in 2016 to be a full cycle accounting platform, including still invoicing as a big piece of that, that uh, feature set. But it was designed for business owners. So professional services, uh, creatives, marketing, uh, those are all the types of businesses. Anyone who needs invoices inside of their business is who FreshBooks really designed their platform for. And last year in 2020, we made the decision as a company to start to support and engage with the accounting professionals who are working alongside of these business owners to then collaborate inside of the technology. So this was a very, a, a very much a, a different uh, strategy for FreshBooks where they still do have their platform and they still work directly with business owners, but then to also embrace the accounting professionals and really support them in their journey of collaborating with, with clients and small business owners, especially as the industry has evolved. So we kicked off the channel last year and the accounting professionals program last June. And so myself made my role, my role as head of the accountant channel and then leading this, this program. And so I get to work really closely with the industry at large, the partners joining the program, and of course our team to really embrace these accounting professionals and support them in their evolutionary journey of how they can best support small business clients. And if people want to learn more about that program, I guess this would be primarily if someone is a CPA, an accounting firm that works with small businesses, how would they learn more about this program and, and 
um, what they can find it on the FreshBooks website. Yeah. So if you go to freshbooks.com slash accountants, you'll get to that page as well as if you are a business owner and you are looking for a new platform or you're already using FreshBooks, but you want to be matched with an accounting professional Mm. who can support you on your journey. That's also an opportunity to reach out to us and, and be connected with one of our partners who's FreshBooks certified and really understands how to use FreshBooks uh, with, within the engagement between the accounting professional. And the business owner as a client. Yeah, so a small business owner like myself, I have a CPA partner. We use different software, but at some point, sometimes I'm not saying that's me, but people might want to make a change. They will either want to change their software or their CPA firm, or maybe they're starting off with one. So that makes sense. Um, There's something there on the website for people on both sides of that relationship the businesses and the accountants. You bet, yeah. Well, great. And um, Twyla can be found on um, Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, We'll post links to the social profiles in um, the show notes. Um, So Twyla, thank you so much for being a guest today. Our guest again has been Twyla Verhelst. um, And you can learn more about the Accounting Professionals Program at FreshBooks. Um, We'll again have a link in the show notes. So um, really enjoyed having you here. Thank you for sharing Um, your story. And, you know, I think there's a lot there to help the listener think about, um, you know, if they're feeling like they're in a state of burnout, uh, Bally might not be the exact same solution, but you've given us all a lot to think about. So, uh, whoops, there's my most recent mistake. You've given us a lot to think about. Thank you, Twyla. (laughs) Thank you for being here today. No problem. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again to Twyla Verhelst. Again, for show notes, you can go to markgraben.com slash mistake73. And I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes and how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they've started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work, and they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Since every podcast asks you to do it, it would be a mistake if I didn't ask you to please follow, rate, and review. But most importantly, thank you. Thank you for listening.